0: I hope you're ready to not just hear a word, but to receive a word this morning, because that's what we've come to do. We've not come just to celebrate another moment. We've come to declare the word of God that he is risen. Can I get an amen from somebody in this place this morning? We've come to celebrate a risen savior for some of us. We've allowed our wives to pick out matching pastel colors in order for us to look Easter fresh. Mm, I found out a couple days ago what the color coordination was for our family. Help me, Jesus. We've dyed eggs and are still trying to get the color off of our small children. Can I get an amen from somebody? My daughter had a patch of green right here yesterday. I was like, we better get that off. We've planned our day full of fun for the whole family. We've checked our kids over, made sure the hair is combed over just perfectly, make sure the braids look good, ensure they look perfect, and have told the entire family that we have to get an Easter picture before the day is over, if not 15 or 20 my daughter got up this morning with me because she usually comes to church with me on Sunday mornings. And, and she got up, and my wife is a hairdresser, and so she did my daughter's hair. And then, of course, before we could leave the house, my wife had to take a picture outside in 47-degree weather of her hair. And then we got, she got to church, and we, we have to take a family photo. We've do, we do all these things. Can I get an amen from somebody? Because if you got kids, you know you better get the picture before the clothes get jacked up. Amen. And so we've done all of these things. We've we've prepared all of these moments. We've 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 either hidden Easter eggs or dyed Easter eggs or or don't do Easter eggs at all. But whatever you do this morning on this Resurrection Sunday, I've really come into here not just to tell you that he's risen, but to ask you a question. To ask you a question, because I believe so many times we show up on an Easter Sunday because that's what good little Christians do. They say that it is proven that the two biggest holidays or the two biggest events in a church every year are Easter and Christmas. Churches are packed to the hills. They are full of people. People have come to do church, but they have not come because they've been looking for Jesus. This morning, I need to ask you a question since you're sitting in this room. What are you looking for this morning? What? Are you looking for what are you hoping will happen today that has not happened in your life yet? Why are you celebrating this morning? Why are you here? Listen, I know we got some cool things after church, but I hope and pray that's not what you're waiting for. Because if your hope is found in a jump and some food, trust me, those moments will fade. But if you've come this morning looking for Jesus, I promise you, if you have not found him yet, you will before you leave this place today. Why are you celebrating Jesus this morning? I believe that today it is not just another day to celebrate a risen Savior, but it's your day. It's your day to rise up with your Savior to rise up from the ashes of your past to rise up from life's defeats to rise up from your struggles and circumstances and situations to lift up your head oh ye gates and see who this king of glory is the Lord God strong and mighty to leave your struggles behind and understand that because of Jesus you are not defeated but you are victorious today is your day to stand tall and celebrate that Jesus did not just rise from the grave to prove a point he rose from the grave so that your life might be changed forever. And today, whatever it is that you're looking for, I promise you're going to find it. If you're looking for another fun moment, you'll find it. But if you're looking for a change that will last for an eternity, I promise that you will find it. And though we've all come to celebrate the risen Savior, I need you to know that his resurrection is an ending to an amazing story and the beginning of yours and mine. It is an exclamation point of one life and a declaration to the world that because he rose, now I can too. That no matter what, I can overcome. That because he rose, I can live again. That because he rose, I can face another day. Jesus rose so we could know that we don't have to stay down. It doesn't matter what the world throws at us. It doesn't matter what the world says about us. If the one that lives in us defeated death, hell, and the grave, then it is time for you and I also to come out of our tombs and live. Not just live, but declare. But I ask you again, what have you come looking for? Matthew 7, verses 7 through 8 says this. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock. Knock. hmm, And it will be opened to you. It's amazing to me that we will not do those things in order. We will not ask, seek, or even knock because we're afraid what might be on the other side of that door. Because let me just say this to you real quick. Jesus didn't come so that you could stay in your stuff. He came to change you. So if you have any reason to stay the way you are, please don't knock on that door. Do not ask and do not seek because if you seek it, it will change you. It will shift you. It will, it will move you. It will it'll catapult you from one place to another. I love saying this. My pastor says it, and I stole it from him. He says that Jesus didn't come to deliver you. He came to kill you. He came to kill your flesh. He came to kill your sin. He came to kill your earthly desires so that you might live in the fullness of who he is. So many people want to live the same way but claim Jesus. You cannot live in sin, live in the world, and still claim the Savior. What are you looking for this morning? In order to help you this morning, I, 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 I must get you to the place of his resurrection. Not just another celebration, but to the place. I must give you the storyline. So let me give it to you real quick. And I'll try really hard not to get sidetracked because I love this story. Jesus has entered Jerusalem and goes to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. It is there that he is betrayed by Judas with a kiss. From that moment, the Roman soldiers drug him before Caiaphas, the high priest, where the elders and the council falsely accuse him. They beat him and spit in his face while mocking him. While on his way to Caiaphas, his disciple Peter denies him three times, just like Jesus said he would. He is then handed over to Pontius Pilate for judgment and displayed before the people he came to save. Pilate gives the people a choice between Barabbas, a murderer, and Jesus, the Christ. In that moment, the religious leaders persuade the people to pick Barabbas. And when asked what to do with Jesus, they all yell, crucify him. The people that were just a day before yelling just days before saying, Hosanna in the highest, crying out, this is our savior. Save us are now the ones that are wanting his death. Pilate washes his hands in innocence of what was about to happen to a just person, one he could not find fault with. The Roman soldiers took him and stripped him down and beat him with a cat of nine tails. And I know we're gonna talk about the resurrection in just a second, but I need you to understand that when we talk about Jesus, stop just playing with the game of that Jesus came to give you something. I need you to know what he went through in order to get you something. Because the Bible says that he was taken into a into a into a, a, a courtyard, strapped to a post. And then they pulled out a thing called the cat of nine tails. Cat of nine tails is a whip. With nine leather straps on it. And in those leather straps are shards of glass that penetrate through the leather that are wedged in it. And on the end of each strap of leather are tied metal hooks. And then they began to beat him. See, here's the problem that I think we've missed out on is, is that we don't understand any longer what Jesus went through. We just want the benefit package of a risen Savior. We want the blessing, but we don't want to understand the storyline. How many of you have been through hell to get where you are right now? You don't mind telling that story because that's what puts you where you are now. Why is it that we don't tell that story anymore about Jesus and identify to that? Listen, let me help you with something. I know some of you in this room might be going through hell. It might feel like you're getting beaten on every level. might feel like you're getting hit with the cat of nine tails, but just hang on because there is a resurrection that's coming. He's beaten within an inch of his life. Every time the hook hit his body, it tore the flesh down to the bone. As soon as that moment is over, after they have beat him, after they have spit on him, they throw a scarlet robe on him, twisted a crown of thorns and placed it on his head. And they say that the the crown of thorns pierced the skin all the way to the skull. Then they placed a reed in his right hand while mocking him and calling him king of the Jews. He's then led through the streets down the Via Dolorosa to the hills of Golgotha to be crucified. And it is there where they nailed his hands and his feet to the cross and suspend him in air between two criminals. Don't get lost in whether they put it in his hand or his wrist. Just understand that he was hanging there. And in order just to breathe, he had to pull his body up on the nails so he could not, so his lungs wouldn't uh, deflate, so that they wouldn't collapse, so that he could stay in that moment just a little bit longer. All of this while you were on his mind? Our Savior dies and declares on that old rugged cross with his dying breath, It is finished. Have you ever asked yourself what was finished at that moment? What was he declaring? It is finished too. I know that Jesus came to die for the sins of man, but what was he declaring in your life in that moment? What was he screaming out in that moment of his life? What did he see about to take place in your existence some thousands of years later that he saw through his eyes because he loved you even before you knew you were loved, and he saw moments in your life, and maybe, just maybe, he was declaring that whatever you're going through, it is finished. After his death, Joseph of Arimathea wrapped the body of Jesus in clean linen cloth and laid him in his tomb and rolled the stone in front of it. The leading priests and the Pharisees went to see Pilate and they asked that not only the tomb stay sealed for three days, but that there be guards placed outside of the tomb in order to make sure that no one took him. But this is not where the story ends. This is not where it's over. And before we step across the threshold of the resurrection, I need you to make a decision. Which Jesus are you going to worship today? Because I'm going to be real honest with you. I think there's a condition in the church today that causes us to keep worshiping a dead Savior rather than a risen King. Because if I really understood that he rose from the dead, then I will not stay where I was. I I will march into where he's calling me. There, there, is, there is a condition in the church. Come on, you've been to those dead churches before. You've sat in those services and got nothing out of it. It doesn't seem like the preacher even believes that Jesus is alive. You listen to him. Look, look, look. when you're excited about something, you, you get animated. When you're pumped, you're, man, I'm so excited. It's great. It's wonderful. <laughs> man, if you came up to me after church and went, like, man, Jesus is awesome. He's alive. I'd, go, I'd want to pop you in the head. Like, Wake up. You're talking about Jesus. Do you understand what you're declaring? Listen, if you're, okay, watch this. If you're in this room, you're a believer, lift your hand. You're a believer in Jesus. Come on, come on. With boldness, it's Easter Sunday. You might as well raise your hand. Caiaphas is not in here. Pilate's not in here. You're not going to die. I'm a believer. I believe in Jesus. Let the world see it. Let the world know who dwells on the inside of you. Don't wait till Sunday to act like somebody you're not on Monday. Be the same person in season and out of season. Let him dwell on the inside of you and let him ooze on the outside of you. They asked that not only he be kept in the tomb, but they'd guard him because they didn't want him to rise. As I was looking at this story, this is the way God kept showing it to me as I was preparing for Easter that Jesus' story is a lot like ours. Come on, work with me for a second. You've been talked about, you've been cursed at, you've been spit upon, you've been called names. You've been poked fun of. People have turned their backs on you that once praised you, that once loved you, now don't like you. Come on, can I get an amen from somebody? Amen. You, you go, but, but I'm not Jesus. I'm not asking you to be Jesus, but I'm, I'm looking at the parallels of what Jesus was trying to demonstrate to us that you might see what I go through so that you understand how you might come out of this thing. Can I just say this to you for a second? Please stop hiding in your tombs. Stop hiding in your places of death. Stop hiding in your moments of indiscretion. Stop hiding in your moments of failure. Stop hiding because the world has come against you. And understand that if Christ dwells in me, the hope of glory, I am not dead, but I am now alive in Christ. Matthew 28, verse 1, it says this. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. When you're reading the context of this story, you have to read all four Gospels to get the full story. And I love what Mark 16 verse 1 says. It says, now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might come and anoint him. As I read that, something leafed off the page for me for just a moment, and God began to deal with my heart. He said, why is it that my people keep trying to anoint dead things? Because Mary and, her, and, and the mother of Jesus came looking not for a risen Savior, but for a dead Savior. Right. Although Jesus had said three days later he would raise from the grave, and they knew that they were right on the timeline of his, of his being risen, they came looking to anoint a dead body rather than coming to celebrate because what Jesus had said would come to pass. Can I just ask you this question? What has Jesus said to you that you have been waiting to come to pass, but for some reason you keep looking for the dead thing rather than the living thing? Mary and Martha came to anoint the body, the dead body of Christ. We keep showing up on Sundays to anoint dead things. Mm, Just help me for a second. Pastor, come on. Stay with he is risen. Make it all light and fluffy. No, I need you to walk out of here changed, not hearing another sermon. I don't need you to hear me preach. You Come back next week to hear me preach. This is my one shot. This is my moment. This is the thing I've been waiting for for the last month and a half, that you might be here, that I might get to declare this word so that you might walk out of here changed, so that you stop anointing dead things and start living in Christ. And I don't care whether you've been saved for 50 years or this is your first Sunday in this house. Whether you think you know it all or don't know a doggone thing, he still is the same yesterday, today, and forever. For so many reasons, we come into the church every Sunday to re-anoint the dead things that we refuse to allow Christ to take into the borrowed tomb and let die. We bring it back to Jesus. Come on, work with me for a second because I did it for years. I'd come up to the altar, repent, go back home and do it again. Come back to the altar, repent, go back and do it again. I'm going to tell you this real honestly. There's no conversions in the church anymore. They're just emotional baggage drop-offs. Because here's what really takes place. We come to the altar, we lay it down. But then when pastor's back is turned and when none of the staff is looking, we pick it back up and go put it back in our closet of indiscretions. And we don't let God save us from what he came to deliver us from. What are the dead things in your life? What is the stinky things in your life? What's creating the foul odors in your existence that you refuse to allow die and to die in the tomb, but you keep trying to bring them back to life? Be careful that you're not still visiting the graveside of your past instead of walking in the victorious life that a relationship with him brings. Mary and Martha came to tend to a dead thing, not a living thing. What did you come here to do today? Why do we keep showing up on Sundays visiting tombs of the dead things, trying to take care of them? It's time for you and I to understand that Jesus has already conquered those things. Let the dead things die so that you can live. And when I'm looking at the parallel and I'm watching that Jesus has taken off the cross, placed in a borrowed tomb. Here was a, quicker, a quick kicker for me. Uh, why is it that Jesus did not set up a place for him to be buried? Because Jesus knew he didn't need to be buried. He didn't have anything, any reason... To be buried. He didn't have a reason for a funeral procession. He didn't have a reason to have people sit there and wail at his feet. He said, he, God spoke to Joseph of Arimathea to pull his body down and to put him away. No one tended to him. No one went and dealt with him. Jesus went by himself. Why is it that we have to have a funeral procession for all of the junk in our lives? Let it die and just leave it. Let somebody else tend to your dead things. You go live your life. What are you looking for this morning? Oh, I just wanted a cute Easter message. Tell me he's risen. You knew that. That's why you came here. You've heard that for the last 20 years. What will it do differently in your life today? What will it change in your existence today? In verse 2 of Matthew 28, it says this. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. I love how it is that Jesus didn't move the stone, but the angels of the Lord did. Mm. Which kind of takes me to another thought process here. Why won't you let the Holy Spirit move in your life? The Bible says that when Jesus left the earth, he said, There is one to come, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will now dwell with you. Why is it that we won't let the Holy Spirit come move the things out of our lives that we keep trying to put as roadblocks in our lives? What amazes me sometimes is how people will complain about where they are, but they keep putting the roadblocks in front of themselves. And telling the world that everybody else did it. No, you keep putting that stuff in front of it and then blaming the world for what you want to be comfortable with. And God said, I'm coming to destroy the barricades, to remove the walls. I've torn the veil in two so that you might dwell. It says that the angel ascended down and rolled away the stone and then then sat on the the stone. Could you imagine that moment? No, Pastor, I couldn't imagine that moment. It's because we choose not to anymore. Because this story has lost its value. This story has lost its power because all we really want is the eternity. We don't want to understand the storyline that leads us up to it. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. How many earthquakes have you had? How many earthquakes have happened in your life, but yet the stone still seems to be there because you're standing on the inside of the tomb holding the stone going, go. No, God, don't let it roll away because I'm better in the tomb than I am free. Suddenly there was an earthquake. Suddenly there was a man. I'm telling you right now, if God is going to shake your life, it's going to be suddenly. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on him. His face shone like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook, off with, shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint. And then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid. He said, I know you're looking for Jesus. Who was crucified? He isn't here. He isn't here. But where is he? But he isn't here. Why do you keep searching in places of death for things that are living? Well, it's the only place I knew to go. Why is it that Mary and Martha and Salome end up back at the tomb of Jesus looking for the dead Jesus when Jesus told told them that he would raise from the dead three days later? If Jesus said it, that settles it. What is it in your life that you're not believing that Jesus said? What I've come to understand is is that the reason we struggle with this whole walk is because we really don't believe what Jesus said. We want to believe, but we hope that what he said is truth. Because if we really believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, then you wouldn't be broken anymore. Because you would understand what that meant, what that did for you. Where are you at this morning? Well, well, it's just a good story. It's a good Bible story. Listen, there's nothing in my Bible from cover to cover that's just a good Bible story. It is the truth. It is the living, breathing word of the God that I serve. There is nothing in there that is fictional. There is nothing in there that is just a storyline. It is absolute, indefinite promises that he has for me and for you. For some reason, we keep playing with the storyline. We keep twisting it to bend in our space because, truth be told, we really don't want to give up where we are. We just want Jesus to come where we are. I had this conversation in the car with my daughter this morning on the way into church. I said, it is amazing to me that people now tell Jesus where to go rather than us telling Jesus where we'll go. We say, Jesus, meet us where we are. And Jesus says, no, come here. (laughs) Come out of your stuff and come here. Stop playing with the things of the past and the pains of your struggles. Start coming towards your Savior. No, Jesus, I need you to come get me. He already came and got you. Oh, see, here's what I'm trying to say is, is that we are still stuck at the, at the death and burial part. We have not embraced the resurrection. The resurrection is proof that he came for you. The resurrection is proof that he had you on his mind. The resurrection is proof that he came to deliver you. And if you are in bondage, it is because you've not embraced the resurrection. You're still embracing a dead savior. You're still holding on to the pains and the struggles of what you've been through. Let me tell you something. There is not one person in this room that has a story that Jesus cannot overcome. Now, I know that's crazy thought. Well, Pastor, you don't know my story. Then you obviously don't know my Jesus. Pastor, you don't know what I've been through. Then you obviously don't know what Jesus went through. Because if we can comparatively live our lives and tell God that he doesn't understand when he formed you in your mother's womb, counted the very hairs on your head, gave you a distinctive fingerprint that no one else in the world has. He says he was intimate with you in your mother's womb. If that's the God that you and I serve, there is nothing that you have walked through that he does not know about and does not have a plan to walk you out of. What are you looking for this There are people in this room that are brokenhearted. There are people in this room that are sick in body. There are people in this room that the world has declared all kinds of things. There are people in this room that have had other people talk about them. There are people in this room that have had family turn their back on them. Here's what I will tell you. All of that can still happen, but Jesus will never fail you. Put that stuff in the tomb and walk out. How many times have we gone looking for things that Jesus died for? He said he would raise three days later. Don't you believe that? Belief is the overcomer of doubt. And have you come this morning to see if he's still in the tomb or do you believe that he's risen? Is he is risen just another church? Because this is what we do in most churches. If I say he is risen, the church responds with he is risen indeed. I am so sick of the religious banter of the church of declarations that have no fruit. Because that's what the church does. Uh Uh-uh. Let me tell you something. He is risen is not a statement or just a declaration. It is a lifestyle that I choose to walk in. I do not serve a dead king. I serve a risen savior. Take him off your cross. Let him go to the tomb. But understand that he's coming out. All of that took place so that you wouldn't stay broken. So that you wouldn't stay dead. Jesus died for the sins of the people. For the death of the people. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. He died for the dead people. So that they wouldn't have to be dead anymore. Do you understand that when Christ comes to live in your life, it creates a life that you've never had before? Let me help you something. I did a lot of stupid things growing up. I drank. I did all kinds of dumb things. I didn't drink for fun. I drank to get drunk. (gasps) Don't judge me. Know that I was a sinner saved by grace. And yes, baby, I grew up in the church. I grew up cutting my teeth on pews, running up and down hallways, and churches stealing graham crackers out of the kids' church. I get amen for some of the church folk in this room. Amen. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Shh, nobody will know. Jesus knew. I started my sinning early. But the truth be, some of y'all caught that. Do you catch it? Say amen. The truth be told, at the end of the day, none of that saved me. Church didn't save me. Sitting on the front row didn't save me. Listening to worship music didn't save me. Hearing good preaching didn't save me. You know what saved me? A relationship with Jesus. And here's the stupid part. It took me till I was 21 to figure it out. It took me till I was 21 to finally understand that it was more than just a story. That it would become a lifestyle. That if he was the death, burial, and resurrection... Then so should I be that I might have a dead place and I might have a burial. But baby, I got a resurrection coming that I might have gone through some stuff, but I'm not going to stay in the tomb. I'm going to come out and I'm going to celebrate and not the, the death will not have its sting in my life, but I will walk out victorious. I don't know who that's for this morning, but there are some of you that have been living in your tombs. And some of you have been living in borrowed tombs that other people put you in. And God is saying, today, come out. You've stayed there long enough. How much longer can you cry out from the tomb while I've rolled the stone away and act like you can't come out of it? How many more days will you cry out for me to come rescue you? Haven't I done enough already? If you would just embrace not only the cross, but the resurrection, you would stop living your life searching, but you would finally find me. Because here's what I understand. When you read that scripture in Matthew chapter 7, where it says, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find. The reason no one's finding anymore is because we really don't know what we're looking for anymore. We're just hoping we'll stumble upon something that might make us better. God's saying at this point of your life, haven't you heard the story enough? How many more flannel graphs do you need? How many more cute little lessons do you need to be told? How many more moments does somebody need to stand at a pulpit to tell you to live for him? And then we go home and decide to live for ourselves and then complain that Jesus didn't do enough for us. Jesus has already accomplished way more than we'll ever accomplish in our lifetime. Can you just accept that he did it for you? Until you and I believe that he is risen and we are still in the tomb wrapped in grave clothes wondering when we're going to come out. You ever met one of those kind of believers? You know the ones that are still dead but claim to be alive? You all know those ones? Those ones that talk about Jesus but have no emotion? Say that, man, I, I love, I love Jesus. Man, I wish your face would show it. Those ones that say, man, I, I serve a risen king but yet complain about how bad you're in pain every day. I, I, was, I was talking to my son the other day because I'm at, the, at that moment of 11 years old where uh, he's got an ailment for everything. Can I get an amen from a parent somewhere in the room? Uh, if it's not one thing, it's six others. And, and I told him politely, to the dad said, son, if it's that bad, we're going to the hospital right now. <laughs> well, okay, it's not that bad, dad, but it's still bad, like, I'm dealing with that season of my life. And, and, and I told him, I, I sat him in the car on the way to school because it, for some reason, it magically appears on school mornings. <laughs> Every sickness in life shows up on a school morning. Amen. And for all of you young people over there, just put your head down because I'm not going to look over there because I don't want to call you out. Uh, but the truth be told is it always happens. there. And I, I looked at my son and I said, son, I said, I'm, I'm going to help you with something because I need you to understand life. He said, okay, I said, I said, okay, according to the doctors, I have a heart condition. According to the doctors, I have five degenerated discs in my lower spine. I have all these things that are seemingly wrong with me. And yes, every morning of my life, I wake up in some kind of a little bit of pain or a lot of pain. I don't know what's going to happen from day to day. Some days are easier to get up, some days are not. But I still get up. I said, "Do you ever think why I get up? I said, did you ever ask yourself why I get up? And his response was, because you have to. And he's right. Because I have to. Because it's my choice to. Because my family is what pulls me out of bed to conquer the day so that they might be taken care of. Let me help you with something. Jesus did the same thing. He didn't have to get up three days later, but he needed to so that you might live. So that you might walk in his resurrection power. Not so that he could baffle the ignorant folk. Because there will always be ignorant folk in your existence. He didn't do it so that they might have something to talk about and post on social media. He did it so that you might be taken care of, so that you might be redeemed, so that you might be saved, so that you understand that the Savior that you say you serve is not a liar but tells the truth and lives in the truth. Matthew 28, 6, it goes on, it says, Come see where his body is lying or was lying. You know, it's like this. If you go to a, a gravesite. I heard somebody tell me this last week. They said, I don't call it my my son's graveside. I call it his resting place. Can I just tell you this? If I die, don't come see me. Y'all missing this. If I die, don't come see me. You can't come see me. I'm not there. The Bible says to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Stop coming and re grieving over a dead thing. I'm not dead. I'm alive. I'm more alive now than I was then. Please stop coming and crying your tears. Oh, we miss you. Don't miss me. I miss you, but don't miss me. Follow him. Don't grieve over me. Don't keep trying to rebury me all over again. When I looked at this, I part that kept looking leaping out at me was is that it was almost like the ones that said they believed in him were coming back to rebury him again how many times have you buried jesus how many times how many times have you come back and wept over his crucifixion how many times have you come back instead of just identifying with it and receiving the resurrection of jesus and walking in it how many times have you come back and just said, oh jesus stop He is not in heaven going, oh, it's so bad. The Bible says that when he died, he ascended to the right hand of God. Hello. Why is it that we we put him in this box like he's in pain and and he's suffering? Jesus is not suffering. Why are you? Because if Jesus dwelled on the inside of you, you'd stop suffering. But as long as he stays in the tomb, you'll keep suffering. But I choose to serve a Jesus that has left the tomb. I'm not coming to see where his body is lying. I want to see where his body was lying and then celebrate that he's out. Then I love what it says in the last part of this verse. It says in verse 7 through 8, and Pastor Ben, you can come on. Tell he, the angels then tell the women, now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. See, here's the great part. We can sit in service, and I can declare all of these things and try to say it the most eloquent way to get you to understand that it is time for you to walk in the resurrection. But in order to walk in the resurrection, you're going to have to say something. You can't just go quietly. You're going to have to tell somebody. Because the moment you tell somebody something, you're now committed to believe it. You're committed to walk in it. You're committed to live it. The problem is is that we don't want to commit to that anymore because that might make us different. Let me help you with something. If you're sitting in this room, you're different. Why? Because you've accepted that Jesus is the Savior of the world. You've accepted that he's the Messiah. You've accepted that he died just for you. Or maybe you don't yet. It's kind of hard to tell somebody something when you've not received something. It's like this, I'm dating my wife and and we're talking about her wedding ring and and I told her, I I had a special band made for your wedding ring. Ooh, I want to see it. And I'm like, you can't see it. She can't be excited about it until she receives it. Maybe you haven't received it yet. I've lived in tombs quite a few You'd think after a kid that was growing up in the church that he'd know the tomb is not a playground. (laughs) But for some reason, I'd keep climbing up in there and then asking Jesus to come get me out. Until one day I realized that it was not about him coming to get me, but me coming to him. That he was really standing outside of the tomb the whole time, calling me by name. There are those of you here in this room that are in the tomb of brokenness. There are those of you in the here that are in the tomb of, of sickness. You're in the tomb of, of death. You're in the tomb of, of marriage brokenness. You're in the tomb of financial brokenness. You're in the tomb of whatever that tomb is. I need you to understand that on this Easter Sunday, Jesus died to call you out. How many more days can you live in your pain before you start living in your promise? How many more days can you exist making excuses for lackluster behavior for the things of God and just really decide that I'm going to commit my life to Him? How many more days of the year? What if the trumpet sounds tomorrow? Are you hoping that you get in or you or you know? <laughs> because baby, here's, here's, here's what I started to realize the other day. That there are things in my life that I have tried to live with and and, and say, God, you, you understand I, I, these are a work in progress. I'm a work in, can I just say this to you? If you say that you're a work in progress, you are lazy. Because what you're telling God is, God, I'll only give you what I want to give up, but I won't give you all of me because you're calling for all of me. Jesus didn't die for a piece of you. He died for all of you. Can you just give it up? but God, you you know, I'm just not ready to let that piece of me go, then you can't receive the fullness of who he is yet. You're still in the tomb, standing at the door, looking at the sunlight, wondering when your, when your sunshine day is going to happen and it's here, but you won't step over the threshold. The resurrection is the stepping over the threshold, out of the past, into the promise, knowing that God is calling you. When will you step out? When will you live? As I just? Why has it got to be that serious? It's, it's just about me saying, Jesus, come into my heart. It's just about me accepting Him. No, it's about you being saved from death so that you might live in eternity. Watch this. Here's a statement that's not said in churches anymore. You ready? Jesus died so that you wouldn't have to go to hell. And the sad part is the word hell is just an end of most people's sentences, it's just a part of a common vocabulary. I'm not sitting here trying to preach doom and gloom, but I'm trying to help you understand. Until you really want to live in eternity with God and choose to live by His plans, not your own, then you cannot embrace the resurrection yet. You cannot claim the promises without living the life. So this morning, not only... Is my question, what are you looking for? My question is, will you come out of the tomb?